the warrior who had defeated her enemies by land and sea. He nodded slowly to himself. If he had had time, he would have liked to stay in England a while, but he was a man for hire who must go where he was bid. He weighed the seigneur's purse in his hand, and a little smile played upon his lips. There was little doubt in his mind that he would succeed. How could he not, a man of his skills? Had he not served princes, even popes? All he had to do was to recover that which the Seigneur de Maïs had bespoke from a certain jeweller, who, in his greed, had sold it to another party without thinking of the consequences. For the Seigneur was not a man to forgive a slight, especially when it touched upon his family's honour. The jeweller had fetched up in the Seine, his body bleeding from a hundred gashes, but not before he had spilled all he knew to Corvino. In the hands of that inquisitor he had become a babbling fool. To Corvino's disgust, the wretch had even soiled his breeches, and when it was over, Corvino had rolled the body off the Quai d'Orsay with his foot, then walked away without another thought. His horse was saddled. He took the rein and led it from the gloom of the stable out into the evening sunlight. England it was, then. Should not be too hard to pick up the trail again. Once he had found the prize, he would bring it back with all speed, collect the rest of his money, then put some distance between himself and the Seigneur de Maïs. He disliked his lordship intensely. He mounted, and without looking back, rode out of the courtyard. By this time tomorrow, he would be at the coast, perhaps already on a ship. Why, his task was half over. After all, who was there in England who could stop a man like him? Chapter One one more day of rain such as this, and the Lambourne would burst its banks. So Thomas the Falconer thought, as he stood upon the slope of Coldborough Hill in the downpour, and gazed at the river below him. Usually, in high summer, the little chalk stream was but a trickle. Village boys from East Garston or Shefford splashed across it barefoot, or even leapt over it. But now, he sighed, watching the swirling water hurry by, and let his thoughts drift along with it. After all, floods were the least of England's troubles. A wet summer for the third year in succession meant yet another bad harvest. Already the price of grain had soared. He'd even heard of riots in some towns. Where would it all end? He shook the raindrops from his beard, pulled up his leather hood, and turned to walk back to the manor. What sense was there in cursing the weather when there was naught he could do about it? though it troubled him that Sir Robert's falcons were sorely in need of exercise. The birds hated the rain, and despite his and Ned's best efforts, they refused to fly. A few hours' respite was all he needed. He glanced up at the sky, looking westward where the downs climbed towards Lambourne, but there was nothing to see save a sullen blanket of thick cloud. After a while, having topped the hill, he descended a long slope, and Petbury came into view. Smoke swirled from the chimneys, sluggish in the rain. Grooms were in the paddock, exercising horses. Sir Robert had been in London on some unknown business for the past week, but was expected back soon. Hence, the more lackadaisical air that usually prevailed when Lady Margaret was in charge had given way to one of bustle and anticipation. Though there would be no hawking parties in this torrent, Thomas told himself. He skirted the fence, nodding to the grooms in their sodden clothes, then made his way past the stables towards the falcon's mews. As he drew near, two men emerged from the doorway. 
One was Ned Hawes, his young helper, while the other, Thomas stiffened, but managed not to trek his stride. For the second man, a slim figure in a hat and fashionable cloak, was the last person in Petbury he wished to see. His name was John Doggett, and as far as Thomas was concerned, he was about as welcome as an epidemic of bird pox. He approached the two, exchanging a glance with Ned, who kept a straight face. He also cared little for Doggett, but his dislike of the man was mild compared to Thomas's. For Ned was yet unmarried and had no children, let alone a fair daughter of twenty-one whose looks attracted most males in the vicinity. And to Thomas's alarm, it had become common knowledge at Petbury that Eleanor had caught the attention of one of the manor's summer guests, the vain, smooth-faced Master Doggett, a Londoner in his mid-twenties, who served as personal secretary to a more important guest.